everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here in my studio with someone who's been on my show before, but never in person. So this is pretty special. She just took her very exciting fur coat, fake fur coat, <laughs> but fuzzy, fuzzy, fake, like, like a whipped confection coat off in order to get ready for the show. She is a podcaster. She hosts many podcasts, perhaps most famously for Crying Out Loud. And she is an author, best-selling author of numerous books. Her latest is Drunkish, Loving and Leaving Alcohol. Please put your hands together for Stephanie Wilder-Taylor. That's the fake audience yes. outside. Yes, exactly. It's a studio audience. It's a studio audience. A lot of people don't realize that probably. No, they think it's real. I like to keep it going. I tell them it's real and stuff. Anyway, hello. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It is wonderful to have you in person. Full disclosure, Mm -hmm. that was not the first intro. I did another one where I was getting into talking about like, and we, we, hi, we talked each other's ears off. It's blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, I got to do this over. And you said, no, keep that one. But it was too late at that point. Because we had talked to each other. We had. Off. We'd been bonding yeah. and, and telling stories. And We've been gossiping. Tea, yeah, gossiping. a lot of a lot hot of gossip, hot, hot, I would say. Hot goss. Um, okay, a lot to get into. Let's just start with something mm-hmm. very important, mm-hmm. shrimp tails. Oh. So last week or two weeks, within the last two weeks, okay. my mother-in-law was here. She loves shrimp. My son loves shrimp. I like shrimp. I wouldn't say I love it, but I like it. But anyway, she was saying, you know, you can eat every part of the shrimp. You can eat the tail also. And I was sort of like walking. She was talking to my son and I was walking out, in and out of the room and I thought, that sounds gross and weird. And I just filed it away as that's a weird, gross thing that maybe I misunderstood. And then there I am reading Drunkish and you're talking about your love of fried shrimp when you were a child and that you loved them so much you ate the tail. I ate every part of it. Snapchat. And I wouldn't do that now. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, good it's to like know. things that you think as a kid, you're like, why would I not eat this? It's crunchy and delicious. You don't you just don't think that hard about it. Okay. See, I was hoping and I'm no one to talk. Any longtime listeners of my show know I should not be talking. I eat the weirdest like combinations of stuff I put. I can't believe it's not butter spray on everything. I Me like, too. Really? I just <gasps> put some. I can't believe it's not butter spray. I literally just put some on a piece of toast before I left the house today. Yeah, I mean, that's spraying ha- it. Perhaps the most normal. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, I ate uh, miso flavored ramen last night and gave that a healthy spritz. Why wouldn't you? Makes everything better, <laughs> creamier, saltier. It's just, okay. I'm glad we have this in common. Yeah. Um, but. I just have walked this earth for so many years, never heard of eating shrimp tails, and then twice in the space of a week. Okay, but you're saying you wouldn't do it anymore, Um, but my mother-in-law is saying it's okay. I just, I don't know. I'm old now, and I I don't want things caught in my teeth. I just, it's too sharp. 
Like for, I'm going to have a lot of hangups about it now. For but a, I just didn't. For a second, I was thinking maybe you guys are talking about the meat that's like stuck in the tail, but you're talking about like the crispy Ate cartilaginous the like thing oh, that you yeah. wouldn't want it. Yeah, you put it that gross. way and I want to go back through time and stop myself from doing that. But I'm yeah. sorry, let me describe it in a more appealing way. You're talking about the deliciously zesty, crunchy tail. <laughs> it's so funny though that she was saying that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like she um will order for me, shrimp sushi is a no thank you. Well, I it's just too feel like common. It's basic. That's a, like basic bitch sushi. Sushi. You yeah. know what I mean? Like what you can right. just have shrimp at other times. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a sushi restaurant, like yeah. order some sushi. That's how I feel. Yeah. But she likes shrimp that much that she I've seen her order shrimp sushi. If I order a sushi platter or something, mm-hmm. I was I feel like saying omakase is pretentious in a way but then saying sushi platter makes it sound like i'm at like red lobster or something (laughs) if i get an array of little sushi bits Mm -hmm. and there's a shrimp one in there i'm thinking well they're just offloading you know interesting interesting see now if i saw that i would be like well okay you Mm -hmm. know if it's here i'm eating it i love shrimp but if it's not here i'm not ordering it and if it has the tail on though are you like down the hatch no no, then I'm going to pinch okay. off the tail and put that aside right. like a regular person would, you know? Although in a sushi restaurant where they're, you know, crafting the perfect sushi constellation, uh-huh. <laughs> they're not going to leave the tail on unless they intend for you to eat it. Sometimes they do, though. Like oh, sometimes okay. the, the sh- those shrimps at sushi restaurants. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't ordered it, but I've seen – like we're not talking just a piece of – sushi shrimp sushi you're talking about like this kind of fancy you'll see like the freaking head on there you know what i mean you no i'm that, talking about I'm like no thank you i can't do heads no, either no, yeah, no no heads no legs no. i don't want to know that this swam and was alive and right had eyes no Spoke, eyes communicate <laughs> had had feelings dreams had that they put aside to raise their children <laughs> Um, I ordered crawfish once when uh-huh. I was like 12 and we were on Lake George and I don't know what compelled me to do this, but they arrived at the table and I looked down and I was like, I cannot possibly eat these. They're cute and little and they have heads. Yeah. No nightmare. Have you ever had crawfish? I have, but not with the head on it. So then what does it, but did it have the body and the shell and all that? I don't think so. I feel like no. You know, maybe I don't remember because it was yeah. a real long time ago, but okay. I would remember if I ate something with the head on it. Yeah. I'm a, I, and I don't want fish with a head. No. I don't want a trout. No, I don't want to see it. Yeah. That should be off of it before mm-hmm. we are doing any business together. Right. It's the, that's, <laughs> that's not a delicacy. Like, don't, I don't, right. No. I don't want to suck a fish head. I want a filet that, of fish, not the McDonald's thing, although I did used to like those. I want like a cut of fish that looks like it could come in a children's plastic toy food thing where it's like, you right. know, here's like a steak, here's a piece of fish, here's this. And it's all, it just looks like right. a little Like a the cartoon. way swordfish looks. Yes. Kind of. Like a, yes. just a piece of fish. It's all kind of uniform. Right. It all has a kind of the same thickness. Mm-hmm. Not Maybe a lot of there's... skin involved. Like it's just a piece of fish. Right. You don't even, it's not, you're not even, like, my children who are catching on that where meat comes from and stuff, Mm -hmm. um, 
but they might not even know like is was this living once they wouldn't right. know no clue. that's the that's the that's the fish dream <laughs> okay thank you for indulging all my questions about all of this i'm just impressed that you read the book yeah or even part of it well okay so i read i i was reading it as one would read a book that they're enjoying immensely like each page each word and then i was like at this rate i will not have finished it by the time you get here um so then I started picking up the pace and I skipped around a little more. That's so fine. I'm going to go back though and read the whole thing because everyone go get drunkish. It comes out on January 16th. It is, um, it's so well written and it's so enjoyable to read. It's like people who will read it and they will want you to be their best friend. And like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, I'm enjoying hanging out with this writer. I don't want to put it down. Thank you so much for saying that because and I teach memoir writing. It's like one of the things that I do. And that's my, always my whole goal is I don't think that I can write like beautiful poetic prose. Like I didn't go to college and I always have a lot of insecurity about my writing. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I write in a poetic way. I don't feel like I write like other writers that you mm -hmm. read and you go, like, well, wow, women. of course, right. <laughs> not writing on about any ponds. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, you know, but I feel like what I do, what I can do is the only thing that I do, which is like, try to write unfiltered and try to write the way I talk a mm -hmm. little bit, try to communicate the way I talk, but of course, exaggerated, you know, mm -hmm. but of course, I just, it, I'm just always racked by insecurity. Like once I write it, I'm like, ah, it feels yeah. like anybody could do that, you know, but no. that's the biggest compliment because I'm always like, okay, the one thing that I think I can do that doesn't necessarily come easy to everybody is make it sound like we're like I'm talking to a yeah, friend. It's, it's so like familiar and conversational. Um, it's And that's really hard to do. So how did you learn how to write memoirs? I don't know. I think that you know what? I will say that I was always a voracious reader. When I was a kid, that was like my drug. Mm -hmm. I mean, I read mountains of books and I I just really enjoyed reading. And I think that um, that combined with having done stand-up, so writing my own writing jokes, and then I wrote a lot on te on television shows, but nothing nothing good and nothing long form. It's very different. And I didn't, I've written a couple of scripts in my life, mm -hmm. but again, that's like movies or TV Yeah, a couple shows. of movie scripts, not for pay. I mean, I wrote them hoping to sell them. They mm -hmm. did not sell. But I mean, that's the only experience that I brought to it. So mm -hmm. after I had a baby, I was like starved for a way to express myself. I couldn't really go to clubs and do stand up. I wasn't writing on a show and I felt really stifled just creatively. I was like, all I'm doing is going to Target and I've got this baby and I'm miserable and mm -hmm. I had some postpartum depression and I was like, I just don't know what to do to get to get things out of me. And then I had heard about blogging mm. and I just thought that sounded interesting. So I started, I, st I decided to start a blog. I shouldn't say I started blogging because I started a blog and I wrote one post and it was 800 words. So it's <laughs> not very long uh -huh. um, about being a mom and how I felt like I'd been sold this bill of goods. And I got a book deal off of that. that so one, you can imagine wow. the imposter syndrome yeah. that took me over when I got a book deal. And I was like, because my, my thing was like, just say yes. You know, I'm like, of course, I would love to write a book. I would dreamed of writing a book. I just never written one, mm -hmm. you know? So when I got the book deal, I had to figure out how to do it. 
And it was hard. I had to, I would, I would like, I wrote an essay and I, before I got the book deal, the agent was like, what else do you have? Do you have other stuff? And I was like, of course I do. Like, <laughs> what do you think I've been doing? Like writing all the time. And he's like, okay, don't put it on your blog. Like send it to me. And I was like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And then tell me like what some of the chapters would be. So I wrote a thing and I sent him what some of the chapters would be. But of course I didn't write more. Wait, so did you, I, did you not have to do a formal proposal? No, I didn't have oh, to do so a formal. Pro I have done them subsequently. I've done okay. several. But for that book, no. So I didn't write more. I wrote this thing and I sent it to him and I never heard anything. So like weeks go by and I'm writing to him. I'm like, hey, so what's happening? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, where's the writing? And I was like, oh, dear. Well, <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, coming up. So then I quit. I was like, well, I got to write something. Yeah. So I thought of some stuff to write about. I wrote something about being pregnant. I wrote, I called it Prego Land. And I mm -hmm. wrote about how I was a miserable pregnant person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, I'm not taking like, I'm not posting the picture of the ultrasound on my refrigerator. I wrote something edgy about being pregnant. And then I wrote a couple more things and I sent them to my brother. And then my brother read them. He's really funny guy. And he was like, ah, too angry. Mm, like you sound, interesting. you sound angry. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I like this joke. I like this. I like this. This sounds, this run is like too mad. So I went back and I adjusted and I, that, that was like me learning how to write. Mm -hmm. And then I sent it back to him. Then he was like, okay, I think this is good. And then I sent it to the agent and he was like, great, I'm getting you a book deal. Then this, this editor from Simon and Schuster, he's like, I have a call for you with this guy who wants to give you a book deal, but you got to like convince him. So I'd have a conversation with him and he's like, can you write about potty training? Meanwhile, I have like a four month old <laughs> at this point. So I was like, of course I can. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I just said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And then I like freaked out yeah. when he was like, okay. And then I signed the papers and then I went, oh God, I have to write a book. I was, I was not thriving. I was crying <laughs> a lot. Mm -hmm. I, there were many times where I was telling my husband, I'm like, I have to give the money back. Like, I can't, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then I got like tips along the way. Like my husband would say, okay, I would write something and I would let him read it. And he'd be like, but who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. You need like a, there needs to be an antagonist kind of like, and I was like, well, I don't know. I'm not really mad at anybody. And he's like, well, like I'm writing about breastfeeding. He's like, well, who? He's like, not angry enough. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, well, if you're going to feel extremes about your experience, who who is – and I figured out that, oh, I'm going against like the pressure out mm -hmm. there. And who is giving that pressure? Like lactivists, like people that are being very extreme about everybody must breastfeed, yeah. which was the whole thing when I had a kid. So I, I learned like, okay, let me – what's my angle? Mm -hmm. Who am I talking to? And my editor once just gave me some really good advice where he was like, because I would always feel like I, I want to please everybody. I want to write something that's like not going to make anybody mad at me, like that people are going to be like, oh, you're, you're so great. You are you are saying the words inside my head about yeah. how I feel about myself. I was always petrified of yeah. like making people mad or, or they're going to be like, why is she saying that or mm. whatever. But my editor said to me, because I was like, I want to write about um, not not falling in love with my baby at first sight. 
And that was a big pressure. Yeah. Everybody said, "Oh, you're, as soon as as soon as the baby's on your chest, you're You've gonna never felt a love never, like this. Never. Yeah. It will be the always the best day of your life." Was having my child the best day of my life? No. I mean, later moments yeah. for sure were like great times right. in my life. But the day I had her, that I was like crying and <laughs> like on medication for right. the C-section and like freaking out and not knowing how to breastfeed her mm. and up all night trying to figure out how to change a diaper. No, that wasn't the best That's, day of my life. Yeah. It was that a huge change in my life that ended up being for the better? Yes. But you know, I wanted mm. to break down some of that like bullshit. It's okay if we don't feel like that. <laughs> yeah. If if we don't So anyway, but I remember thinking I I told my editor, people are going to be so mad. And he was like well, that's not who you're writing to. Mm. Like you're writing to somebody else. You're writing to you. So when you imagine when you're writing something, write it like you're writing to your audience. Like you are writing to your best friend. You are having coffee and you're going like, can you, somebody that relates to you. That that's is really you good to advice. Talk to one person. That is really write. good advice. And I've yeah. always done it like that ever since. I, it was really helpful advice. That's great advice. Yeah, I sometimes get the voice uh it's why i try not to read comments even though i still do sometimes do you? I, have, I don't i have a like i have a uh waxing and waning relationship with it so like when i'm in a stronger place then sometimes i will and then when i'm feeling like when i was on the corolla show i stopped i stopped because it was just it, it, there were ups when i would you know, encounter stuff where people liked me, but they got, it became too painful. And like, I have such a tendency to have the voice of the haters in my head and to imagine them reacting to everything I'm saying that I felt that it certainly wasn't making me better having all that in my head. So, right. but that's why it's really good what you're saying to think about like, you're writing for the people that like you that are going to get this. What's, they what hear makes this. it really hard is when you are become aware of all these people that are vehemently opposed to you and want to talk about it to right. other people that are also vehemently opposed to you. And then they find kindred spirits mm. and go, thank God we can trash Allison or we can trash Stephanie or isn't she ridiculous? Or, oh my God, thank God I found somebody who also finds her so unfunny and so horrible. Then, then it's very difficult to do what you do yes. without thinking like, oh, there's people that are every word I say, they're like hating Picking me. It apart. Yes. So what I very recently discovered Ooh. is like a whole like, do you know of snark pages on Reddit? Of course. Yeah. But I somehow didn't know about this until within the last six months. I there was this TikToker that was like, well, she still exists. It's do you know about are you on TikTok? Not really. No. Okay. Are you aware of the trend of like cottage cheese and mustard? No. Okay. So I'm this still on Facebook reels. Okay. <laughs> this woman, what is her name? Tiffany. I'm forgetting her name. I was like into watching her for a little while. She would put together what she called a Tiffany plate. And it was like um, cottage cheese, mustard, and then a bunch of vegetables. And she would dip them in the mustard and the cottage cheese. And it really was like was like fetish stuff almost uh -huh. like it's the kind of thing where you're watching it and you're like for sure oh and there was a, a sausage in there too and she'd like take a bite of the sausage and it would like drip on her face and it's like how is this not fetish stuff it is but she got a lot of attention um for this cottage cheese and mustard like diet kind of thing um and she was like morning shows were putting her on 
And I was like, why does she bother me so much? I don't, there's something about her that bothered me, but she was also like very watchable. But anyway, there's this, um, my adventure to snark. So her name was my adventure to fit on some social media thing. And then I found this page on Reddit, my adventure to snark. And it's just people just making fun of her and picking her apart. Right. And then I found there's another one for like another TikToker and like tons, you know, and then I realized, oh, this is just a thing. It's just a thing that when you reach a certain level of, uh, you know, when you're a public figure who has a certain amount of attention on them, people want to pick you apart. Right. And they're like, and understanding that gave me a framework to understand some, not that there was never, as far as I know, an Alison Rosen snark page, but there was certainly snarky bit stuff about I'm me. I'm going to start one. Just Please so that do. you feel Thank successful. You, you yeah, know what I mean? You I feel like feel you've like, risen to that level. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I do think it is a phenomenon that, I feel like we. I think we even talked about some of this last time you were on. Um, I think. We I think it's did. just a phenomenon. I think you know there are certain audiences though, like the Corolla audience yeah. is is mean. I mean they're very mean. So when people revel in being really mean, they're gonna hate on you. Like yeah. that's what they do. But I think what's so interesting is like. You know, at the time, that was probably a lot. But then, like, now you're gone and, like, a lot of those people also miss you. So, you know what I mean? Then they snark on the next person. Right. Then they go, like, well, God, Allison was amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. we need Allison back. And if you probably knew their actual names of people, you'd be like, dude, it was only a couple months ago that you (laughs) hated me so much. Yes. I know. It's just like their mood. I don't know. I think it's, it's a, yeah. I can't. So the people, people like that, people like that are going to hate me for my politics. They're going to hate how I'm raising my kids. There, There's so many juicy things to hate mm-hmm. about me that I can't get into reading any of it. Yeah. Good. It, it does. It's not going to help you do anything no. to read it. No. Um, okay. So six books here. This is your sixth book. Yeah. Can you quickly mm-hmm. go through and just kind of like tell me what each one was about so we can differentiate them? Okay. So Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay was me kind of taking apart like the first that first year of having a baby mm-hmm. and all the things that I didn't experience that I thought I'd experience and everything that's annoying and all that. And the being Sippy Cups Not for Chardonnay was not intended, even though a lot of people think it was, to be any comment on actual drinking. Mm-hmm. I made a lot of jokes about drinking and how much I enjoyed drinking and how necessary to child raising my wine habit was, <laughs> which obviously I've changed my mind on that. But uh, my point of that was like, don't put your your Chardonnay in a sippy cup. Put it in like a nice glass. Mm-hmm. Like you deserve like just, just because you're – it was sort of like an anti-minivan comment, mm-hmm. you know, even mm-hmm. though I, of course, was in a minivan before you know it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, then I wrote Nap Time is the New Happy Hour also with the alcohol, you know, motif right. the, on the cover and in the book. And uh, that was just – a that was about toddlers, not as widely read because, you know, people – here's what happens. You have a baby, you want you get pregnant, you want to read all the pregnancy books. Mm-hmm. Then you have a baby and you're like, oh my God, what happened to my life? I must read all the books, especially with people that seem like they're snarky or right. you know, help me feel better. Then when you have a toddler, you're very busy. Mm-hmm. You're not like looking for toddler books. You're like, I'm in hell right now. Like <laughs> right. I can't don't have time to read. So then I 
got a deal to write something that I wanted to write. They were like kind of left it open to me. And I was like, great. I want to write about like being in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So it's not me, it's you was stories about like moving to LA at 18, 19 years old and all the crazy things that I got into. I think there's a story about my first uh, like a telemarketing job that I had and a story about um going on Hollywood Squares. I had all these like where you want adventures car. where I won a car. That's amazing. I had a lot of like crazy things, mm-hmm. you know, crazy stories that yeah. I was like, let me tell these stories. They're kind of essays. And, you know, it was personal and fun. And then I'm kind of a big deal. I had a two book deal. So I got to, they allowed me to write a follow up. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, because it's not me. It's you did not do well at all. Mm-hmm. And then it, looking back, I think the problem was, you know, people, I had, I didn't even realize, but I had established kind of a brand mm-hmm. of being writing about having a kid and having right. this snarky, funny, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that. I was just like, well, cool. I'm an author now. So like, I'm going to just write about other stuff. And people were like, well, we're not going to read that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't really have anything to do with why we, we're all how moms we know you. and yeah. we want to read about you being a mom. Right. But I was like, but I'm all, I'm all talked out on that. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, I wrote a second book of stories about my 20s, got on the Today Show. I've been on the Today Show for all of them. I went on the Today Show for that book. And there's a one chapter in – that was my fourth book. There's one chapter about getting Botox for the first mm-hmm. time, like in my early 40s. And um, the Today Show decided that they were going to give me a, a, a segment to promote my book – but then they kind of went back on it. They were like, you know, what we really want to talk about like you being a minivan mom who's like scared of aging. So you're getting Botox. And I was like, uh, why? Like, but that's not what the book is. Right. No other chapter in the book is about that. It's yeah. all about like crazy stories, me doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Like it, it kind of ends on a sweet note of like, now I'm like this mom who's like, oh God, right. how, how do I keep up being cool? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to have wrinkles, you know? Okay, so uh, I get on the show and they bring on like a psychologist with me. This like they didn't tell you they were going to do this. No, not the night before. They told oh me God. they're like we're thinking of bringing on this like celebrity like psychologist who's going to. And so basically, it was like t- Ann Curry and this psycho you know psychologist right. talking to me about like why do you feel like you know, you're so scared of aging or whatever. Oh, God. And you have to be like, I'm not. I know. I was like, I was like trying to say that's not what the book is about. Right. And that book did terrible. And then somebody. Well, and that was, I'm kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. And somebody wrote a review and they were like, this doesn't have anything to do with like, I saw this author on the Today Show and like, this doesn't have anything oh, to do God. with like being, ha- being a mom. <laughs> I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so then oh, some years go by and I get another were book Were you upset deal. about how that went down though? I was really upset about yeah. it. I felt like it was such a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't know. I don't know that the book would have sold anyway. I just don't know that that's what people wanted from me. Mm-hmm. So then I got a TV show. Then I Parental was pitching, discretion on yes. Nick- Nickelodeon, right? Then I was pitching a book called Fuck It, I'm 40. <laughs> so that's how long ago it was because now I'm well into my 50s. So I was pitching this book and – people were like, nobody wants to read a book about aging. They'll just like, women will just read stuff like that online or in magazines. And I was like, well, okay, but this is like a funny book about getting, but what about Nora Ephron? I feel bad about my neck. neck. Thank you. That was in our proposal. (laughs) That was like, people love that book, but whatever. They said no. 
But then my publishing company turned around and they were like, hey, you have this TV show for moms. What about writing another mom book, mommy book? Mm. And I was like, okay, sure. So that that's when I wrote Gummy Bears Should Not Be Organic. Mm-hmm. Now my kids are a little bit older. Um, so I wrote more stuff about having like school age kids and and um but it was it was like kind of hard to come up with stuff that you reach a point where you're like, I'm a mother and I love my kids and and um but like I don't I'm not like that mad anymore. You know what I mean? Like I I don't have that much to get off my chest. Like it's like you're just doing the deal. Was it also a challenge because because I have found as they get older you want to reveal less about them. Like when they're babies, 100%. they're just like a little mushy, generic thing. And then as they get older, it's like, because I, I mean, it's actually not that much of a problem on Childish with Greg Fitzsimmons. Um, but there are things where I'm like, would Elliot or Owen, are they going to be upset that I talked about that on air? So that's a that's a really good point. And when I wrote that book, I was very mindful of that. I didn't mention any of my kids by name. So oh, you wow. would never know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I said my daughter, it could be either one of my daughters. Right. I also kept the stories to stuff when they were babies. Mm-hmm. So I used references. I used examples of like, I talked about stuff happening at school, like like fundraising. And, you know, I made fun of stuff that I could make fun of, but it wasn't. And there was definitely stuff about the kids, but they weren't, it wasn't really making fun of anything they did. Right. I, I made sure that there was nothing that they would look back on later and go, why did you say that? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to exploit. And I'm also careful of that on my podcast. Yeah. If I want to tell a story about my kids, I ask them first. Do they usually say yes? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But there's certain things where they worry that like, oh, what if somebody heard it and then they got in trouble? Mm-hmm. Like if, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It gets thornier as they get older. So then that brings us to drunkish. Yeah. So then I didn't write a book for like a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't have anything to say. I didn't have anything to say. I was busy podcasting and doing my thing. Um, and then you and I were talking about this off the air a little bit. I talk a lot on For Crying Out Loud. I've ta- talked a lot about addiction. I'm very open with, you know, my sobriety and getting sober and telling stories. And people, they relate. A lot of people struggle with drinking, like more than you think. Mm-hmm. And their relationship with alcohol and like, am I or aren't I, you know, an alcoholic, an alcoholic or do, do I need to quit or do I need to, how can I, all this stuff. And I would get a lot of private messages from people. And it just occurred to me one day, like this, the conversations I have with my friends, the conversations I have with people in recovery, like maybe I could tell that story in a way that's not preachy. You know, I've never been like a hardcore, like this is the way you do it and mm. you better get a higher power. And like, I've just kind of not been like that. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that like, let's have a sense of humor about like, you know, yeah. it's a serious subject, but I think you can see in the book, I'm trying to have, and the the joke is on me because there's a lot of stories in the book about my denial. Yeah. Which I think is fun because I didn't want to write it's a relatable. book from 14 years out that's like, guys, my life is so much better. <laughs> I'm really into wellness. The life of my wildest dreams. Yes. I'm just so grateful every day. Like I wanted to write the book that's like, 
the first few, like what that felt like in the first few months and like mm-hmm. go to a concert sober. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like <laughs> how, who could just, how am I supposed to just sit on the couch and watch housewives with my husband without drinking four glasses of wine? Like, right. I don't know how people function. So I know that for a while you felt that you were not an alcoholic, like that label. Didn't, oh yeah. Now do you feel that you are? Were? Yes. Okay. So you sure. embrace the term now. Yeah, because I don't find the word so threatening. Mm -hmm. And I say this in the book that it's like for a long time, I felt like that label is very final. Mm -hmm. Like once you once you say I'm an alcoholic, like you can't go back on that, you know, because then people are going to be like, oh, so you're an alcoholic, but you're just but you're drinking. You're, mm, but you're drinking yeah. again. You can't really be like, yeah, that whole thing where I thought I was an alcoholic, that was – I just overshot the mark a little bit. Like, <laughs> do I – did I have a little problem for a while? Yes. But, mm. like, it's totally fine now. Right. Like, I'm better. You can't do that. So mm. I fought that idea that, like, oh, I'm this thing. I'm this label. I'm this – and I didn't want to be like, oh, Stephanie, the alcoholic. Yeah. You know, I was like – and also – my idea of an alcoholic mm-hmm. was somebody like, you know, like Meg Ryan in A Man Loves a Woman, like, you know, falling through her shower right. door or, um, you know, it was – A TV movie. A TV movie. It was um, somebody drinking out of a brown paper bag. It was, right. you know, on the side of the road. It was like pretty clear to mm-hmm. me. And there is a chapter in the book where I talk about – Early on in my 20s, I had this friend named Landry who was such a classic alcoholic. He was a great guy, um, still is, and he's sober. But he would have like two drinks and already be kind of slurring his mm-hmm. words. And I was like, oh, see, that's – and al- I was always able to go like, that person is an alcoholic, me, no. Right. So the thing that changed for me was once I hadn't been drinking for a while and I could more realistically – and not out of fear, but out of like, okay, now that I've had some distance, I can kind of look back at some of the ways I behaved and even going back to my first drinking experience and go, have I ever had this a normal relationship mm-hmm. with alcohol? And the answer was no. Like, And could I look at some of my other behaviors? And I won't even, I don't even want to say behavior, that almost sounds judgy, but like mm-hmm. things about me obsessive nature, yeah. you know, could I, could I understand that like, maybe that's just who I am. And I had a father who was a pill addict and instead of fighting so hard, could I, could I see this as a way to um, rest my mind about mm-hmm. it? You know, could I just go like, okay, whatever alcoholism is, I know that I'm not predictable when I drink. And th- to me, that was the bottom line was like, Sometimes I have a glass of wine and I and I don't have more. But almost but towards the end it, every single day. Mm-hmm. So like not every day was I having four glasses of wine. Right. But four days a week I was, you know, or a lot of times my intention would be I'm just going to have a glass of wine and then I'm having a big glass of wine and then I'm like, "Well, I'm just going to have mm-hmm. one more cuz I'm not going anywhere." And it's like that thing my brain was like I was always on that hamster wheel mm-hmm. of like do I have any more? But if I have more, does that mean I have a problem? So like, let me just put it down. But like when I put it down, I'm like, oh, good for me. I only had one glass of wine. Right. Like for people who don't have a problem, it is not like that. No. It's not. There's not all that 
compulsive thinking and all that swirling stuff around it. That's what I found out. And then I would go to recovery meetings and be around people that are like me. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, like, when I first went, I just went kicking and screaming. I was like, not that I was forced to, but I was like, I'm not going to relate to anybody. Like, this is going to be a bunch of old men in a basement with really bad problems. And what I found was like a bunch of normal people Mm -hmm. and a bunch of moms and a bunch of people that just drank the way I did. Some of them more, some of them less. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, God, does it really matter? Like, the bottom line is I don't want to drink. And I'm trying to find a way to not drink. So does it matter what I call it? It's easier for me. It was easier for me to just say alcoholism. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a problem with like a substance use disorder or whatever. I just know that I I shouldn't be drinking. I thought it was interesting that the first time you tried to quit, you were – in 11th grade. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the circumstances of that again? So oh, you were, I, just, you were drinking all the time, right? I was just part, I was so hungover all the time, every weekend having blackouts. And that's also interesting to me because, so are you, have we, did we have, did we talk about drinking? Like I don't drink anymore either. Oh, um, you don't? Mm-mm. But you're I, not like sober, Well, right? see, it's funny when you said that you hesitated to use the term alcoholic um, because you can't go back on that. I, it, it made me remember that for the longest time, I would say I don't drink as opposed to I'm sober because sober suggests a whole thing. And I, right. I don't know. Right. I wasn't like sure that I was never going to drink again. But I knew that for, you know, but the truth is like, I haven't had a drink in a super long time. And I did wow. go to meetings. And oh, okay, but I never did all the steps. Um, you but I do. I'm not yeah. like a Big book thumper. I don't right, like, but there's a lot of ways people get sober that I know, or people maintain not drinking. Yeah. But people, it's so fun. Maybe it's because I knew you were coming on. I had a dream last night where I was talking about how I had been released from like the urge to drink. You know that happened really fast for me, but, but like ne- it's not, I'm never tempted to have a drink anymore. It's like not even. It's how just long hasn't, has it been? Probably about thirteen years. Oh my gosh! So. so like almost as long as me. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, but although like I did have some sips of mangria in order to be able to talk about it, but then I didn't drink it on air because I had some sips beforehand. And I, I like that was one of the things he was upset about. But it's like, well, if it was important for him for me to drink it on air, then don't give it to me beforehand. I don't even drink, you know. Like I was trying not to get drunk. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah but anyway, um, yeah. And it was. Wait, why did I? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't know what I was going to say. So I did have a problem with. I had all my ways of justifying it. Like, well, I don't know that it's really a drinking. It's really not really alcohol. Like, that's not my thing. But basically, I would have a few drinks. And then that would, it just like let all the bad behavior that I wanted to cut out of my life, mm-hmm. which had to do with like, when I was in New York, like doing drugs and hanging out with guys that I knew weren't good for me. It all started by having a drink, mm-hmm. have a drink. And then it's like, well, of course, I'm inevitably going to text that guy that I know is not good for me, you know? Right. And it also was like, I'm just going to have, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then it's like, I just had a series of drinks. Like I couldn't, it was the control, you know, I just, um, but what I was going to say is, and sorry, I just. <laughs> no, this it's a conversation. Um, I never experienced a hangover until 
I don't know, until I got older. Like, I remember in college being like, I don't think I've ever had a hangover. Wow. Yeah. That's dangerous. I guess, yeah. And I just assumed it's because my body was metabolizing alcohol better back then or something. I right, don't know. But right. you were having them when you were young. Oh, so sick. Like, incapacitated the whole next day. And it was a whole thing where I'd have to pretend that I – you know, had the stomach flu or it was like, really? My parents just believe that every weekend yeah. I had the stomach flu. <laughs> and I, I was like, you're not going to, you didn't take me to the doctor. Like right. nobody ever called me on my drinking back then. But yeah, it was every weekend. So, but we were all doing it. Mm-hmm. I lived in Spokane, Washington when I first started drinking, which is a, like a kind of a blue collar town, not a lot to do. Um, you know, we weren't like going to the theater. We were going to a park and drinking beer. Right. So at some point, so I moved from there to um, Springfield, Massachusetts for a few years. And I just was drinking. I found the kids that partied, you know, in my mind, I thought everybody did, but I'm sure there were plenty of kids that didn't. I just Mm -hmm. didn't know them. Right. I gravitated towards like what I thought were edgier, fun people that did like to do what I like to do. And then just at one point, I was like, God, I just every weekend, like, I can't seem to not do it. Mm -hmm. And even when I wouldn't be feeling well, I'd be like, if that's what we were doing, I would do it. So yeah, I got this idea where I was not like I thought I was an alcoholic, but where I was just like, I'm going to give my body a break from drinking, you know, see if I can not drink. And it only lasted a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting that you were already trying to control it at that age. Yeah. Um. At a certain point, you take a quiz. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was the exact same one, but when I was in New York, there were these um, – the, I had fallen in with a group of people, and they were – their substance – they were all functional. They all worked in publishing. They were like – they're still successful people, but they would – drink it party it was like 24 hour partying like the drinking would start at you know if it was the weekend at brunch and then it was just like and i could not keep up nor did i have an interest in keeping up although i was like dating one of the guys that was uh, you know a main part of this group mm-hmm. and that's how i was seeing all of it um but i i mean i remember in college if i had a drink in the afternoon i would like just want to sleep at night i could never do a marathon drinking thing I couldn't either. And, you know, I always wanted to be able to. Yeah. Like, I couldn't pace myself. No, me neither. I would get drunk and then yeah. be tired and exactly. need to go to bed. And, I would, and then it got to a point where I'm like, I haven't gone to sleep yet and I already feel the hangover setting in. Like, I yes. feel a headache. Yeah, I just couldn't do that. But anyway, <clears throat> I initially took the quiz thinking, like, they have a problem with it. Like, I'm going to take the quiz for them. Uh-huh. And then somehow I was taking it for me. And then I also got the like, oh, what? I might be an alcoholic. And then I like went to my first meeting a couple of nights later. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did that in my 20s and was like, these people are crazy. Yeah. <laughs> these list makers. Right. Wow. This is so super strict. Yeah. So for people who don't know, it, and again, I don't know if it was the same quiz. It was something online, but it, the quiz that you took mm-hmm. was tw- it's called 20 Questions, right? Yes. You can look it up online. You can take it yourself. Yeah. Maybe it was the same one. And so you think you're doing great because you're only answering like a couple yeses. And then you get to the end and it's like... If you answered one yes, you may have a problem. Yes. And if you know two or more, you are 
most definitely have yeah. some uh, are a problem drinker at the very least. Yeah, it's a real surprise. <laughs> well, because some of the questions, which um, I went through the list, I yeah. used the I did I took the quiz, I used the whole list in the book, and some of the questions you do think as you're taking it, you're like, okay, easily no, right. like. Oh, are you never been in jail or whatever? I've never been in jail. Uh, Do you have you lost like friends Mm -hmm. due to alcohol? No, gained them. Like, I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) my life has gotten better. I'm fun when I'm drunk. It's like, uh, do you have do you hang out with like lower companions or whatever? I'm like, no, like higher. Right. I can't hang out with comics. They're all lower companions. I don't even I'm I'm not even repeating what I said in the book, but Mm -hmm. I'm just saying I remember taking the quiz and being like. I mean, some of them I was like, I mean, that's hard because mm-hmm. like, do you drink to feel more confident? I'm like, well, yes and no. Like I'm pretty outgoing. So it's, I don't have trouble talking to people. But when I do stand up, I like to drink because mm-hmm. I'm petrified of it. Right. So I need that. Yeah. Liquid courage. But like that's job related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, should really count. You know, all the justifications. But the ones – I think I said yes. I gave myself like a half a yes mm-hmm. for that one. Right. You had but two and a half. <laughs> I had two and a half. Yeah. And then I was so bummed because I was like, even if I took away one of them, I'd still have one and a half. Right. Which would still make me a yeah problem drinker. I remember around the time that I took the quiz, a few days before I went to um, a meeting, the thing that I had decided – before I had like real – it was before the quiz – I was walking from, I was working at Time Out New York. I was walking somewhere and I was like, I'm drinking my drinks too fast. So, what I have to do Good is, thinking. yeah, <laughs> I gotta find a way to, I gotta order something that I don't like the taste of. Mm-hmm. And then that will make it so I don't suck it down. I back you up on that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. smart, right? Right. I just couldn't find that thing. <laughs> right. Lynette always says spacers, like, or I'll have a, I'll make myself have a glass of water in between. Yes. That is a thing. Yeah. Could do that. Got to slow it down. Yeah. But I, some part of me soon realized that like this attempt to manage it is an indicator that maybe there's something awry happening. So things didn't get too bad for you. Well, with alcohol, I mean, I, I threw up from drinking too much, like in a number of places when I was younger. At this Mm -hmm. point, I wasn't still doing that as much. Um, but no, it was, I was dabbling in cocaine mm-hmm. and, but even that, that was the thing that I really was like, I, before I went to AA, I went to an NA meeting because mm-hmm. I was like, that's my problem. That in the, in the way that, have you ever been to an NA meeting? No. Are we even allowed to talk about it? Not really, but it's okay. Cause yeah. Um, in the way that. It's your own anonymity. Yes. You do with your own anonymity what you choose. Yeah. What my experience Uh was in the way that the program for drinking is a lot of people that are like you'd see every day and you hang out with and you work with and it's just very like the program for drug use was like, oh my God, I am in a room with people that I would be afraid of if I saw them on the subway and they're holding my hand and making me feel better. Yeah. It was so nice, but it was very eye-opening like, oh, this is a hardcore drug people are trying to get off of hardcore drugs in this room like right not what i'm dealing with so for me that and i and similar to you i was like i'm i don't ever ha- i've never had a nosebleed 
I am not, I'm doing great at my job. Altogether, I've spent a couple hundred dollars. Like it's none of the things you hear about for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but it also, it wasn't, it's never in the daytime. It was very much something that maybe someone else might just be like, yeah, I'm just, this is how people stay up late in New York. Bars are open till four. There's, this is not a problem. Right. But for me, it felt like a problem because I was like, I hate this. I don't think that I should be doing this. It feels, I mean, I was raised, same with you, dare, dare, you know? And I was like, you do cocaine once and you have a heart attack. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, oh my God, I feel elated. And I enjoy that, you know, this is really, I like it. I mean, what a rush, not even the rush of the drug. It was the rush of doing the drug. Well, I started and stopped cocaine at 19. So like I have the same experience as you, but in a shorter span of time. But I'm also very like sort of hypervigilant about myself, which is weird that it took me so long to quit drinking and was just such a different gray area for me. But yeah, cocaine felt like the first time I did cocaine, I was like, this is the most amazing. Where has this been on my life? Like, what? Like, I remember the feeling of, I want to hear everybody's life story. Mm -hmm. I'm more interested in people than I've ever been in my entire life. I want to sit and talk to you all night long. Just tell me, tell me about you, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, but the come down was so hard. Mm -hmm. And also the, what I noticed right away was you get this super rush and, and I'm sure for everybody, not just people that are going to be addicted, but I got a huge rush, but then very quickly I was like, oh, I need more. Like mm-hmm. as soon as yeah. that feeling started to go away, the th- obsession in my brain started yeah. in of like, well, how are we going to get more? Well, are you, do you look cute enough? Well, are, are there people here that have it? Well, where are they going? Mm-hmm. Well, why did someone just go in the bathroom and why didn't they invite me? Right. And my brain was going so fast and it was such an unpleasant feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, the the high, the chasing it. Yeah, but also like the, the nervousness and mm-hmm. the thing before – but after the intensity, you're just like, you just feel co- coked out. Yeah. Like you don't feel the good part. Right. You just feel nervous. And I don't, I still don't like that feeling. I don't mm-hmm. like drinking too much coffee. I get too, I, the jittery, the jittery feeling. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. Right. I much prefer a downer. Mm-hmm. Right. But I would do it because I, my brain would remember the last time I did it, how fun it was at the mm-hmm. beginning. So I, it became like a little cycle that, but same as you, I didn't have a nosebleed. I wasn't doing it during the day and people were buying it for me. But one night I got, I was so coked out. I couldn't come back down. And I remember that I'd gone off with some guy. And this was like, I was 19 years old. I had been hanging out with some people, some guy, some older guy, probably like in his thirties, which seems so old at the time, <laughs> with like a big mustache. <laughs> I remember getting in his car because he was like, had all the drugs. Mm. And he's like, we're going to, I'm a realtor. Or he was like a. See, you were hanging out with lower people or whatever but the I term didn't is. No, I don't right. You know, I didn't know at the, I didn't understand yeah. any of that. At the time, I was like, I want more cocaine. Mm-hmm. So I got in this guy's car with a friend and we went with these guys to some, like up on Mulholland, some like construction site. And I remember the guy like feeding me cocaine off a credit card Mm. and just being so high. And I had this thought of like, I can't keep doing like This is not, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And then I thought I have to just never do it again because I will trick myself. It was the exact same thing with alcohol, except that alcohol took me another like 20 years. Yeah, But I was like, 
I'm not going to be able to just do a little bit ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be able to like if I unless I make a rule that I just don't do it at all, then Mm -hmm. I will do it whenever it's offered to me. Right. Right. So I made this decision and I like never got offered it again. And I just never did it again. That's See, I'm very impressed with that because. But I used to get drunk sometimes. This comedian friend of mine reminds me of this. Mm -hmm. I used to get drunk sometimes. And this was like in my 30s. He said I would get drunk and then be like, let's let's get coke. <laughs> he, and I wouldn't remember it the next day. I'd oh, be like, funny. no, I didn't. <laughs> like, yes, you did. You were like trying to ask people if they would buy you coke. <sighs> I am relating to all of this. <laughs> yeah. Just, so then you just. I felt so much shame about. So then did you just never do coke again? Um, like once you made the decision or no, no, that was the problem is that I made the decision. I I went to that meeting, made the decision, and then I didn't touch it again. And then I was dating this guy. Every all of my substance stuff was wrapped up with dudes. Okay, dating this guy, or I'd met this guy, and I knew that he did it. And I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And then I don't know how long I lasted. One, I think the first time I didn't. And then the second time I did. So then I was doing it again. Um, again, not, I didn't have any in my house. You know, it like it was really, it was a recreational thing, but I didn't feel casual about it. I, and then stopped again. And it's then weird that cocaine, drinking, pot, these are all drugs that you could say do it socially. Yet yeah. meth, somehow that's right. the heavy. Like right. you can't be like, oh, I just do meth socially. <laughs> like if I'm at a party, I'll do some right. meth. Maybe because it lasts so long <laughs> is my understanding. But is there too much of a commitment? Yes. Right? Because isn't it like a like, like 24 I don't hours or something? <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to stay home and clean the bathroom. <laughs> um, and then there was one more guy. And that's the one where I took the quiz. It was, okay. He was part of that whole world that um, the high functioning uh, substance abuse people. So yeah, it. So I had I kept trying to quit it. Um, yeah, but basically it was that like I there's a point there was a point in your book where you're like I don't I can't I don't know what's going to happen if I don't stop doing this. Um, and I had and I've talked about this before. I slept with a married guy. I did not. I knew him. I didn't know his wife. Oh, look at me. I'm trying to justify. Wait till it. you get to the last chapter of my book. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Great. Called. I'm sorry about your bachelorette party. Oh, I. The last I, chapter in the book. You'll, okay. You'll enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Let's just say I did too. Okay. Go, go on. And I felt so. Ash- to use that word again, ashamed. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I felt like I broke a law. He seemed totally fine with it. Oh, yeah. And he and probably did. I, d- I don't think it was the first time he had cheated on his wife, even uh-huh. though he claimed it was. Because right. he was so A-OK with everything. Right. Um, But I was just like, I don't trust myself anymore. I don't know. You know, it, that was a real, that felt like a, re- it felt like a greater transgression than anything else I had done leading up to it. And that had had to do with, you know, I, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't very drunk when Same. it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like sometimes you yeah. find yourself drinking to give yourself permission. I think so. To do the thing that you really think is going to fix you that you want to do. Right. But you wouldn't do because right. of your moral compass. Yeah. 
I guess. I mean, I just, it's just that like it was, I wanted to be done with all of that acting out behavior. And as long as alcohol was in the mix, I wouldn't be able to because I couldn't, once I had some drinks in me, I couldn't, I just indulged everything I wanted to do. And also this idea of like, um, you know, I do cocaine because it keeps me thin. Like, I think I gained weight on cocaine because I would like, because I would come home and I would feel so unhealthy and bad that I would then just want to eat something. And then I was also drinking so much at the time too, that like, I, it was definitely, none of it was making me thin. Um, anyway, so tell me about, cause you finally realized that you wanted to get sober at 42, mm-hmm. right? Tell me about, um, or tell the listeners My about bottom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I had gone through this period where I was like, I I had, I'll just go take you back a little bit where I have my daughter, my older daughter, Elby, and she's like two years old. And I went trick-or-treating. I was really trying to adjust to like mom culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I was trying to embrace it a little bit. And I'm like, well, let's just make it fun for ourselves. You know, if we're going to go trick-or-treating, let's do drinks. Like yeah. let's make – so I made these drinks. I called it a Tootsie Roll <laughs> and it was like orange juice and Kahlua. And then I Shocking promptly drank like seven of them and no one else really wanted any, which to me, I was always like, what is wrong with these people? Right. Like it's Halloween. <laughs> but that was me all the, it's Tuesday. Come on, you guys. Like, <laughs> right. We don't have to work tomorrow. Whatever it was. Marguerite at lunch. Yeah, exactly. I was, any drinking ops, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in, you know? So anyway, I got really drunk that Halloween night and that was the first time that I could remember being drunk when my kid was awake and Mm -hmm. with me, you know, she was only two. So obviously she doesn't remember it, but I just felt so bad about it because I know that I'd acted and nobody was mad at me. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't do anything crazy. I wasn't like puking on the lawn or anything, but I had kind of bonded. I was with this friend of mine and her mother. So like the kid's grandmother and I bonded with her and then barely remembered it the next Mm -hmm. day. Like, and my husband, John, was like, wow, you and so-and-so really hit it off. Like, you guys exchanged numbers. And honestly, I was like, what? Yeah. I did. And I just felt so bad about it that I was like, okay, I'm going to quit drinking. So I quit drinking. Then I got pre- – like, six weeks later, I we had been trying a little bit to mm-hmm. get pregnant or thinking about it. And then six weeks later, I'm pregnant with twins. So I don't drink – at all during that pregnancy. I also felt sick anyway, mm-hmm. but I are, I had made a commitment. I I tried to quit drinking. I went to a meeting. I didn't take it that seriously because I was like, I'm not that bad, mm-hmm. but I don't want to drink anymore. So I'm quitting. So I ha- go through the whole pregnancy, not a drop of alcohol. Um, and then I have the twins. I have tw- And I was immediately like – hormonal Mm -hmm. and the, you know, anxious and, oh my God, I have three kids and postpartum depression again. And I'm on, I'm back on Zoloft. As soon as I left the hospital, they put me back on Zoloft. So I'm taking that. I have all this anxiety. They, um, I get put on Xanax as Mm -hmm. needed. Right. Um, and then I decide like, you know what I really need is alcohol because I've already gone like now it's been, I won't say a year because my twins came a little early, so 33 weeks. So, But let's just say it had already been like nine months, no alcohol. I was like, well, then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing to see here. So I start drinking again. 
And very quickly, it starts creeping up where it's like, I'm just having one glass of wine. Now Mm -hmm. I'm having two glasses of wine. Now every single night I'm opening the wine. And so that's when maybe the twins were like a few months old. That's when I'm like, okay, I really have to moderate this. Like I have to make some rules Mm -hmm. because this could get out of control. And never mind, it went out of my head that I'd even tried to quit drinking Mm. before that. You know, it's always like starting over. It's yeah. like, oh, this is the a new kind of drinking. This is <laughs> this is the casual drinking that could get worse. So I'm just going to try to really be careful mm-hmm. of it. And I, I remember that it was just that that thing started up in my brain where it's like every night I'm like, okay, I'm not going to drink on, I'm not going to drink on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to drink on weekdays. And then it would be like, well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. I have to drink on the weekends. So I'm going to not drink on weekdays and I'm going to drink on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, well, the weekend's only like two days. Well, three if you count Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I can drink. But then the rest of the week, I mean, it was a constant. <sighs> yes, I hear that. So it went on and on and on where I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to only drink wine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to only drink beer. I'm going to, and and this went on for for a while and I would keep breaking it and keep ending up. Did you were you too telling much. anyone else your rules, or were these like not really? And also, I wasn't sharing it that much with my husband because I didn't want him watching my right. drinking. I didn't want to be like I'm not drinking on Tuesdays yeah. and Thursdays anymore. And then he, I didn't want him being like, "Well, it's Tuesday. Why are you drinking? Yeah, fuck off. Don't tell me what to do when <laughs> when I can, can and can't drink. Yeah, I made that rule for myself. Mm-hmm. So I was just it was just something I was doing, but I was very conscious of the fact that I kept I kept making a commitment, I kept making a rule and I kept breaking it. So now the twins are like this is maybe they're like a year old at this point or maybe a year and a few months and I was like, "You know what? This is so tiring for my brain to be thinking about this all the time." And I started to think this is like dieting. Like I tell myself I can't have stuff and then I feel deprived mm, and right. I have more. So what would be better and um, probably healthier is to just to just let myself drink and like stop being so hard on mm-hmm. myself. Like I'm not a crazy drinker. I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah, I don't it's self-care. It's self-care. Relax. Like here's the thing. I'm going to just drink what I want mm-hmm. when I want. And then that's going to make me probably drink less. Intuitive drinking. Intuitive drinking. Mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> that was my thing. I was like, I'm going to be aware Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm gonna try not to drink if I like I'm stressed out or something. I'm gonna drink when it's like appropriate. Mm-hmm. And then I thought I was doing that. So in my mind, I was doing that. I wasn't really. I was. What it was is, I was giving myself an excuse to drink mm-hmm. every single day. Right. But I was like, but I'm home and the kids are in bed. Mm-hmm. So like, what's the harm? Right. I was never like drunk around my kids. I was never. Sloppy, as far as I knew, I was also taking Xanax, so I didn't even know if I was. I would, I would start drinking at like five o'clock, have a couple glasses of wine, then it would be bedtime. You know, I had little kids, so then the kids would go to bed, and I'm home. Like I'm not going anywhere, mm-hmm. so I'm like home watching TV, and then my husband would come home, and then I'd open another bottle of wine, and then I'd get real tired, i.e., drunk, mm-hmm. and then I'd be like, "Good night." Took my Xanax so I can go to sleep doctor prescribed, right. you know, and then so that one that goes on for like a few months. And then I went to I got invited to like a little get together at this woman's house. My friend brought me over and she was like you're going to love these people. This is like the coolest group of people. Um they're kind of partiers, but like um a lot of moms and it was like a little like a group of mom. It was so fun, right? I was like, "Oh my god, 
why don't I do this more often? Mm. Like this is so sophisticated. These are all adults that are also cool and have cool jobs. And there's a nanny there watching the kids, you know? And um, they were serving like fancy drinks. It was apricot martinis is what I was drinking. And I remember the taste of the first one going down and I was like, oh my God, this is delicious. Mm -hmm. Why don't I ever drink martinis? Like what? (laughs) what's happening? I don't know what I've been missing, you know? The kids, I got one of the 18 months old olds with me and then my older daughter who's four at this time and they're playing they're having a great time there's like a big yard it's like it's it's like late afternoon okay it's like let's say it's like five o'clock okay you know now it's like and i'm thinking so i'm thinking it's not at night yeah it's like it's like afternoon so Mm -hmm. we're gonna do that to like bedtime and then i'm gonna go home and put the kids to bed So I'm having like a martini and I'm not thinking that much of it because I'm like, well, I'm not driving for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be here. Let's say we got there. Let's say we got there at four and Mm -hmm. I was staying till eight, you know. So then my friend goes to leave and she's like, and now I've had like a couple of martinis. And she says like, are you okay? Like, are you going to be able to drive home? And I was so annoyed, you know, like what? Of course I'm going to be okay. Like, what am I irresponsible? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm fine and I'm here for a while. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not going anywhere. Then... I have like another drink. And this is how I drink. I always think I'm fine. Like when I drink, I have no idea if I'm drunk. Like Mm. I, because I don't think I ever got like super slurry and Mm -hmm. messy. I would just get kind of defiant and like thinking I'm having a great time Mm -hmm. and intense, you know, like I want to have conversations. I feel really good. I'm making plans. I'm going to start a business. Like that was me drunk. It was just like. Oh, that was me on Coke. Okay. Right. <laughs> well, I there, I wanted to start a band with so yeah. many people. I had been in a band in real life when I had never even been near drugs. Uh-huh. But it, all of a sudden it seemed like a great idea. We're going to start a band. Let's just jam. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway. Okay. So that's interesting. See, I would have like, I mean almost like Landry, like I'd have a sip and I would like begin to feel it. Like I was such a lightweight and I could not, you know, like you could see it in my eyes if I was, I could not hold my liquor well. Um, So you sound like the opposite. Well, you yes maintained. and no. I mean, because I couldn't drink more than, I, I was a lightweight in the way that like, if I had like four glasses of wine, I wanted to go to bed, but it just depended on the circumstance. And I like even that night, I don't think I had that many martinis, but I was drinking hard liquor. Martinis are strong. They're though. strong. Yeah. And I wasn't used to like now I sound like I'm almost like making excuses, but I was used to having wine mm-hmm. and then being near my bed. So like once I'm on starting, like once I've had three glasses of wine, I'm tired. Yeah. Now I'm drinking this alcohol and I'm like, I feel great. I feel fine. And I was excited because mm-hmm. there were people to talk to and, um, you know, people like it was just fun. I was having a great time. My friend leaves because she's going on a trip the next morning and I'm there with all these people I don't really know. But again, there's a nanny watching the kid and I believe I have like one more drink. Now, meanwhile, my husband is trying to call me. Um, but this was back in the day. I believe I only have like a flip phone. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to call me and I'm not answering the phone. Why? Because I'm like, this bitch is home with one baby. <laughs> I've got two of them with me. Like, can I not just go out and have a good mm. time? Like, what What could you need from right. me? Like, figure it out. Figure it out. Like, I'm having fun. And I yeah. have two of the kids. It's not even like you're watching three kids. Right. And, I, you know, which has happened. 
and I'm out having fun, I can understand more that he's mm-hmm. like, hey, when are you going to be back? But yeah. I'm like, you're on vacation. You're in Hawaii right now with one kid. <laughs> with your one kid, I'm yeah. busy with two of them. So anyway, I'm kind of irritated and I'm not answering. And then my friend tell, tells me, hey, I think this was like right before she leaves. She's like, John is trying to call you. He called me looking for you. So call him back. Couldn't tell you if I even called him back or not, but I remember thinking like, I better go home. Mm. So I got in the car and I drove home, like a five, seven minute drive home. My husband is waiting in the driveway, furious. You can tell just when you pull up. Oh my God. My husband has some mat like tells and he does not get really mad very often Mm -hmm. at all. He does not have a temper. So seeing him, he does, he was doing this thing where he like, um, this is not good podcasting, but he like rubs, he was like <laughs> okay. rubbing his wrist and he's standing in the driveway and I see him doing that and I'm immediately mad back because mm-hmm. I'm like, what? where does he get off? Why is he mad? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Why are you calling me all night? And uh, what time would you say this was? I don't even know. Probably like 830. Okay. Eight, probably. Yeah. Like not late. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, you're drunk. And I was like, no, I'm not drunk. You know? So mad. And you thought you were not drunk. I thought I was not drunk. Although, like, yeah, I I thought I was not drunk. Mm. So I'm mad. I'm mad that he's I'm mad that he's mad. I'm like feeling controlled. Mm. I'm so, I'm so like, what is my life? I've got all these kids. They're so young. I never even saw myself as Mm. being like, I can't even go out one night Mm. to like have some fun, even with the kids. I just remember feeling so sorry for myself. And then I woke up on the couch the next day, which was unusual. We're not big like fighters where like you sleep on the couch. Mm-hmm. And I was fully dressed and I was so sick, like the wor- one of the worst hangovers I've ever had. And I – it just – it hit me. Like what did I just do? Like mm-hmm. if I'm this hungover, then he was 100% right and I was really drunk. And it – Makes sense that I was drunk because I was freaking drinking martinis all night. Like, <laughs> yeah, what did I think? And I had the worst, like, I was so humiliated. I was so scared. I was hit with the truth that, like, people that are not, ha- do not have a drinking problem, do not do that mm-hmm. because I would have judged the shit out of another mom who, like, if, if I had been sober and there was a mom drinking yeah. at a party and then got in her car with her kids and drove home, I would be like, oh, my God, she should be arrested. Yeah. So I saw myself as that – I realized that that's who I am. I just did that. Mm. And even though, like, I have grace for myself now because I didn't know – like, I, I wouldn't have ever put my kids in harm's way. So therefore – when I have a few drinks in me, again, I go back to like, it doesn't matter if I have 10 drinks every time I drink and just get shit-faced. What matters is that I cannot predict my own behavior Mm -hmm. and I don't know what I'm going to do. And this was such a line in the sand that I'd made for myself that I just thought for real, like I can't drink again. I did not think, oh my God, I'm such a bad alcoholic. I thought, Wow, I am not a safe person to drink mm-hmm. because I thought I if I was to go tell John, oh honey, I'll never do that again. I promise you, like it was I was having martinis. I didn't know how much I was having. I didn't think I was drunk. I could tell him that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he'd be like, 
okay, of course, like that was a really bad decision. Please don't ever do that again, you know? But I was like, but I will probably do it again. I'm not going to do it again tomorrow because I'm going to be really scared. And I, but I, at some point, if, if all, if many times when I've, not every time, but if I've had these experiences and I've not meant to get drunk and then I've gotten drunk and ended up puking or whatever, how can I responsibly say, but this, t- the next time it will be different? Right. And I had this complete epiphany that like, wow, I have really done that a million times in my life. I have a million times been like, maybe not a million, but I've many, many times Mm. been like, I'm not going to drink anymore. That will never happen again. And then done it. So I thought, you know, I got real lucky, really lucky this time. But then I, what my next thought was is like, well, I've, I've also sworn off drinking many, many times in the past and then eventually done it again. So I thought I'm going to have to do something different. And then that's when I like called my friend. I had my best friend had been sober for like two years. And I was like, hey, can you help me? Like, I don't ever want to drink again. And then that's how I got started. But like going back to what you were saying before, I wasn't like, I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go tell the world that I'm an alcoholic. And you know what I mean? No, it was a a gradual acceptance So how could he tell you were drunk? My husband? Yeah. Oh, because I was like staggering. Okay. I just didn't know I was. Got it. No, I was pretty obviously drunk, according Mm -hmm. to him, like staggering up the driveway. Mm -hmm. He was appalled that I'd driven. Right. With your children. With my children in the car. I could have killed them. I could have killed somebody else. I could have killed myself. I could have had, I could have gotten pulled over and had them taken away from me. And then I would have been one of those women going like, oh my God, I never, I don't normally drink that Mm -hmm. much. Like, you know. It's really intense. It's that so intense. Whole, I mean, that to to the realization you had of like, oh my god, that could have been so bad. I need to. I need to. I don't trust myself. I cried about it for like two years. You know, like any time I told the story in a mm. meeting or you know, I it was so emotional for me. Yeah, and I thought, and somebody said to me early on, they were like, "You're gonna one day, you're gonna be grateful that you did that," and I was like, "I will never be grateful that that happened," and I'm not grateful I did that, but mm. I am grateful that something happened, right, to make me realize that I shouldn't drink because now yeah. my life is because. Life is better without drinking, but I just I needed something to make it really clear to me. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like you had like a clear moment? Was it was Sitting it the with married, that married guy? guy? Yeah. And I also stopped dating after that too. I was just like, I need to remove myself from all this stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if it was anything else. No, I think it, I think that was the moment. Where I was just like, this is. I for me that was like. And I don't even think I knew it until it happened. Like if someone had said, what do you think about sleeping, you know, sleeping with a married guy, I would have said like, it's bad. Don't do it. You know, right. But, but the feeling and the reaction I had when I realized what had happened was so, it truly, I felt like I broke a law. Was he like, I'm going to leave my wife for you? Like, no. (laughs) Um, no, we weren't, he, I mean, there was like some talk. Had there been a flirtation? Yes, there had been a a long sexual tension. Yeah. He, 
what we were at a party together um and he he was someone that i worked with basically but he didn't work at the magazine um uh i i worked at the magazine and then i was doing like a lot of tv stuff so i knew him through tv things okay he was a producer okay and so then at a party for the network it was a christmas party he was being very friendly but he had on a wedding ring. His wife wasn't there, but I knew he was married, but he was being very friendly and I felt like he was being flirtatious, but I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, at the very end of the night, he like walked me to get a cab and then he kissed me. And I was like, that's weird. Um, like on the mouth? Yeah, like, like a real kiss. kiss. Yeah, like, okay. like, a, like yeah. At the end of a date or something. Right. And I was like, this is, okay, so he had been flirting with me all night. And then he called me the next day to apologize. And I did I normally did not answer. Wait, did he leave me? I didn't normally answer my phone. Did he leave a message? Maybe he left a message and I called back, which I knew when I was calling back. Like that part I kind of saw clearly. Like I knew he was calling to apologize, but I knew that this is almost like a test to see what I'm how how I'm going to react because if I was like, if I blew him off, then he would know that this was there. I was not giving him a green light. Right. Versus I called him back, which I knew like, I don't, I am probably, this is probably giving him a green light, even though I'm, I'm not giving him a green light, but I was so like, I, I was really into the attention. Um, and so then we, we had this email, like nonstop, like a lot of emails and a lot of like getting to know each other. And his wife was out of town and we went to dinner. Um, And I went into that, like, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to have a drink. Nothing's going to happen. Having a drink with a guy. Just just you and a guy having a drink. Getting to, you're just friends. I'm getting advice on my television career, really. So this is kind of like a work thing. It's a consulting thing. Exactly. And the irony being, my behavior was, could have been so detrimental to my career. But instead, I had convinced myself, my real addiction was like bad guys. (laughs) Like that was the addiction for me. That was, when you're talking about the way you would begin to be OCD about do I have more alcohol? The second I liked a guy who seemed to like me, I would be OCD about like maintaining his interest in me and does he still like me and what did he mean by that? And I mean, it's well, um, so it's a hard one to break. Yeah. So had a few drinks. Yeah, I had convinced myself this is actually like good for my career to be, you know, to get close to him, even but not like do anything inappropriate, but just like you know, um, we ended up making out like making out that night kissing or was that okay i'm I'm getting the nights confused because there was so much alcohol there was another time yeah and then it's a long story but we slept together um maybe it was that see i'm con- there was another time and then i told him that uh we needed to break it off and he was like like really hurt by this 
Um, but I, <laughs> but actually, I, I, we did like we we stayed, you know, cordial, right? But um, but that was it. Like nothing physical ever happened again. But it, but also, I would I started going to more meetings, and then I mean, I was in I've been in therapy for a long time. I was in therapy at the point that point, and but it's like a drug. That yeah. feeling when then you have to cut cut yourself off mm-hmm. from that and go, it's not good for me. Right. It's never going to come to anything. But see, if he if he hadn't been married, I probably would have stayed in that for a lot longer, even though he was not right for me. Because mm-hmm. I just was like, there were so many guys where I'm like, I am addicted to the feeling I get when they pay attention to me, even though like I know this is not I know this is going to hurt me. This is not going to be good for me. Right. Um, I think a lot of women feel yeah. that way. Yeah. A lot of men feel that way. At a certain point, I realized there's power and like a good, powerful feeling in going. Instead of trying to figure it out, just being like, I don't like how it I don't like how this feels this because I had always pushed aside how things feel and that's not it's not about that it's about like what's logically happening what's realistically happening because you know i don't want to be unfair to someone um and maybe my feelings are unwarranted or maybe i'm overreacting but i got to a point i got to a point where i would just be like this and it could be a it could be anything you know a job or or a a friendship or anything just uh like a um, sometimes things with my family of origin, you know, <laughs> just right. like, I don't, I don't, what, what, regardless of who's in the right or whatever, like this feels atrocious. I would like to remove myself from this situation. Right. Took me a long time to realize that though. And also depending on how things are when we're growing up, like we can develop, like, I know that feeling with guys too, that pining feeling, mm. which I always mistook for love like that that intensity yeah even if the intensity didn't feel good it felt painful Mm -hmm. the unrequited feeling and how can i make him notice me and how can i make him like me and then once i was with the person or had slept with the person or whatever it was like oh no are they gonna are they lose yeah how how come i haven't heard from them Mm -hmm. and that like living for the phone during that feeling though i mistook for so long for love like that's what it's I guess feels like. Yeah. And if I didn't feel that feeling, that guy was thrown away. Mm-hmm. Like, or if I felt the feeling and then they started, they actually did like me, then I was like, oh, me too. I don't like him anymore. Me too. Like, and it was, it, it was come scary. very suddenly. Yeah, yeah. It was like real fast. Like, mm-hmm. I could go from thinking I'm madly yes. in love to like, I'm disgusted. Please, do- oh, right. I can't see him one more time. Because- yeah. Like, what's wrong with him? He likes me. <laughs> But it, but that's not the conscious thought. The conscious thought was like, oh, he's not that cute. I don't know what I was thinking. Or mm-hmm. like, what? Or I don't, he's, whatever the thing was, I could come up with any excuse for, oh, God, this guy likes me too much. Right. And he's yes. depending on me for his happiness. Mm-hmm. And now I feel so smothered mm-hmm. that I can't spend one more. And then I would get mean or I would just like break it off. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole like retraining to understand that like when somebody, you know, like to meet my husband was really like the first guy that was very nice to me mm-hmm. and very consistent. And I did not know that like I would be able to feel that, you know, because yeah. it was very difficult to go like, oh, how to have a relationship with the absence of like that tension, mm-hmm. that scared feeling. Right. That, that how can I make him that wanting to prove right. myself to him? Yeah. Luckily for me, I had that a little bit at the beginning with him just mm-hmm. because he's very laid back. Mm-hmm. And so it tricked me 
I was like, well, I don't think he likes me enough. And then yeah. so I worked for it for a while, which I think in retrospect was kind of funny because he right. was like already in. <laughs> but you just didn't know. I didn't know. So I yeah. worked kind of hard. Yeah. It's funny. I think that of all the guys that I had, that I was involved with, oh, I'm going to say something that I don't, maybe I don't agree with it. But I think if my husband and I broke up, I would be able to handle it more than I could have handled any of those because being with him doesn't take away from my sense of self. Like it ah. makes me stronger. The truth is I would not. I'd be devastated. I'd be right. devastated. We have children together. We have a right. life together. He's the love of my life. Like, right. But, but it doesn't feel like, but, but I, I, I don't feel, know what saying. You yeah, know? I don't feel dependent on him. I yes. don't feel like we're, I, f- I don't feel like we're enmeshed yes. in that way that it was with the other people where I would lose myself yes. right away. And then it's like when, if they, you know, didn't like me back, I'm like, well, I okay, I guess I'll just die now because I have ceased to exist. Yes. I don't have that with my husband. Right. I couldn't have a this long a relationship with someone that I s- still had that with, you know? Uh, I I completely agree with you. It's, that's... That's a, like an epiphany right there. Oh. I feel the same way. Like I feel – I know what you're saying. I feel like – because you're not scared. Right. Because you're not scared that he's leaving you. Right. Or cheating on you mm-hmm. or that – or he doesn't like mistreat you and then and then make it up to you. And then yes. like, he doesn't keep that that toxic thing right. going so that you feel like, oh, God, if he if he stopped caring about me, if he went away, I wouldn't I, – I wouldn't know what to – like it would be so awful. Right. Right. Like we're two equals in a partnership. Right. Right, right, which feels boring sometimes. Like <laughs> definitely, yeah. To own the fact that like healthy love feels boring sometimes, mm-hmm. especially for people that have addictive tendencies. Totally, like it feels like something that you have to. Sometimes I have to remind myself to be nice. Like I have to go like, okay, that's your husband who loves you. Like don't treat him like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Like not that I'm. I mean, have had. But- I've definitely had moments where I'm like, I'm taking him for granted. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. But what a nice thing to have yeah is like somebody that you take for granted a little bit as opposed to the chaos the chaos yeah, yeah that's such it's such growth good for us look at look, us we really we made we it we should write a book about like we should yes <laughs> yes because we have it all figured out um stephanie yeah this was so nice now i typically do some segments but given that i have uh, I'm holding your entire evening hostage. Yeah. And by that, I mean, after this, we're recording a Patreon friend zone. Friend zone okay. is what I call my Patreon, my okay. Patreon podcast. Okay. Um, and immediately after this, we're going to take a, I'm going to take a bathroom break, but then okay. we're going to do that. I feel like we should do the segments on that one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just in the interest of time. Let's do it. Whatever you think. Okay, let's do that. Well, let's okay. do one on this one. Okay. Let's do... Can we do the, is it just me yes. one? Just me or everyone. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Because okay. I have one for that. I would love to hear it. But I really do think in this case, it's just me. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? So... I didn't know if it should be something that you're like, you're not sure. Like you think it could, I really think it's just me, but if it is other people, Please I will feel such deep relief. Yeah. So you know how Wordle was a thing for a mm-hmm. while. And then I got 
into, I was very addicted to Wordle every day and getting like real OCD about it. Like if I lost my streak, mm. then I was very upset. But then there's also a thing on the New York Times called Spelling Bee, which hits some reward center in my mm. brain. I don't know what it is. And I'm like really addicted to it. But it's so bad that I will, w- so at midnight, like midnight on the dot <laughs> at 12 o'clock, the old one, you can see the answers. Mm. And then the new one is in there. And I will sometimes make myself stay awake because I have to know what from the night before, like if I didn't make it to the highest level, I'm like obsessed with like what words did I miss? And I will literally wait from 11 o'clock like and make myself stay up so that I can hit the clock and hit 12 and I can check and do, and then I'll do the games for the next day. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm like, I, I blow my wad at midnight on all the Wordle and the crossword. And there's something called all the New York Times games. You something. do all the midnight, basically. Yes. Like how how many me, nights? Right? Of, well, okay. I I don't do this. Yeah. I can't imagine it's just you, though. I feel shame about no, it. No, don't. But I, I feel like it's such a, such a sign that my brain is still very obsessive. Yeah. I, well... Yes, probably. But I, you cannot be the only one. There's other people out there who are like, I'm surprised at the people who are still doing Wordle. I, I was know, like, you guys I are still doing that? I can't quit it. I can't quit you, Wordle. I mean, no need to. It, I all- wish I could, though, because it has too much. It has a stranglehold yeah. on my brain at night. Like, it's like a, a weird thing that I do. There's no way you're the only one. I just am not one of those. I, I mean, guarantee you. I, I, that people I do it. upped, I, um, I pay a, mm-hmm. like $20. I paid $20 so that I could cuz I would do the spelling bee thing but if we if you don't pay, you can only do like a little bit of it. Oh. And then, it's, then no, you need the it full full so I needed so one day I was like I'm going to I'm going to do it. Like I really want to play this whole game. So I paid the $20 and I don't think I haven't missed one night since. You're exactly like a, you're the, like you're their year. perfect game player they got me That's well how does the spelling you. bee work so it's like it's like boggle i think it's they give you a they give you a bunch of letters mm-hmm. and then the one in the middle you can make as any words you want you can repeat letters but you have to use the letter in the middle mm. but sometimes it's, it's hard to start the word or just in the word it, it it, in, the, in word. the word it has to be in the word oh and but, then you have to find but sometimes like there's no e like it's like you yeah. know m i o uh you know, L mm. and a D and you're like, okay, mild, right? you know, but, but then you have to get a ton of words to get to like the highest level, which is genius. And I cannot rest until I've like hit genius. See, it's a problem. I have a, a wordle problem. Yeah. And I mean, it feels, seems kind of benign unless you're, unless you need to get up early and you're staying up so late, but I do hear the, uh, obsessiveness. The pain. Do you hear the pain? A little bit. Yeah. See, for me, I'd be like, like hearing about it, that that sounds exciting. I'm like, I should do this. But I know that I'd like get, you know, four fifths of the way in and be like, I don't know. I don't want to spend another second doing this. Yeah. Which would be good. That would be healthy. I guess. But I mean, like I'm, I'm like addicted to social media and scrolling on my phone. That's my addiction. Though, where okay. I'm like, my wrist hurts. My neck hurts. Like I'm like, right. I'm going to throw up if I don't, if I don't put my See, phone and I down. get bored of that. Really? And I wish I was a little more addicted to that because I, I need to be like for my job, but I'm just not. That's the justification though. I mean, but I feel like I should be more up on TikTok, and I should be, you know, I will watch, I, I really like to watch those Instagram reels 
of the people that give random strangers money. Oh, I've never seen that. Oh, it's a whole thing. It's okay. like, what do you call it when there's a TikTok when it's a thing? Like they, it's, it, it becomes in Trend, part of your it's algorithm. Trending. It's not that it's trending. It's a but meme. It's, it's in my algorithm. Like, okay, so I yeah. get a bunch of them. There's mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. It's mostly guys. I've only seen men do it where they're like, I'm, and everybody always seems to know who they are. Oh, you're that, so the beast guy. And, and <laughs> oh, like, is, wait, Mr. Beast, is Mr. that one beast of them? Mr. Beast is one my of them. My kids know who that is. I don't, I've never seen Mr. Beast, but yeah. he's rich. And it's like, they go, they bless people. They're like, I want to bless you today with some of them. They'll just oh give God. a random stranger like $500. And it's like, I'm like, sometimes I cry. Yeah, like, I can't really into those. Yeah. I mean, that's wholesome content right there. I need yeah. to watch that. Stephanie Wilder Taylor. Thank you so much. The book is Drunkish. It comes out January 16th. Tell everyone. A week from Tuesday. Week from Tuesday. Get it anywhere. Tell everyone where they can find you, plug all your things. So I do For Crying Out Loud is my podcast with Lynette Carolla that you're going to you're gonna coming be a guest on, on in soon. just a couple weeks, I believe. And uh, I mean, for sure this month, I forgot the exact date. I believe it's the January 23rd is our recording ye- date, I think. Ye- I think so. Um, and then I have a, a podcast called Rose Pricks where I make fun of The Bachelor and Bachelor-related content. And jo- our season with Joey, Bachelor Joey, is starting on January 22nd. Um, and then I have a podcast called Bored AF, which is just like fun stuff. And I teach writing. You can f- And you can go to my website, stephaniewildertaylor.com. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and your book that's reissued with five new essays. Book. Tropical. Attire and tropical Courage. Tropical Attire and Courage. And other Please. phrases that scare me. Allison has a her book. It's old stories, but there are, you said four, five, five new there's essays. There's five new essays with five, because my husband did the illustrations. So that there's five new Ooh. essays with five new illustrations. So please get Tropical Attire and Courage and other phrases that scare me. And if you do get it, please leave a review on Amazon. Um, Allison needs some reviews. I need some guys. reviews because the original release, you know, all the reviews are over there, but then you go to the new one. It needs the fresh reviews. Give it some love. Please give it some love. I'm on Patreon. Patreon. Oh, I know what I was going to plug. I just remembered it. I was going to tell everyone we're going to do my new breakout segment. That's one of my favorites and people are liking it. Podcast pals, product picks. <laughs> We're going to do that on the Patreon episode. I will still feature the pod, the product picks on Instagram, but maybe go check out Patreon because we're also going to answer questions that people sent in for Stephanie and we're going to really get into all the, you know, stuff that we can't say on the main episode. Mm-hmm. We'll get juicy. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And also my newsletter, my Substack, Allison Rosen dot substack.com but really you can get to all this stuff by going to allisonslinks.com it has links to all my things allisonslinks.com thank you so much stephanie thank you listeners thank you for listening i love you you matter goodbye hey do you know about the allison rosen show 